We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, RotoViz Radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to RotoViz.com. Click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021. And you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I am delighted to be joined by my co host here on the podcast, one of the co owners of Rotoviz and the co host of the Stadium Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch. It is Sean Siegel. Sean, week two is now in the books, and uh, we'll talk through some of our uh, OT teams in a second. But uh, I don't think I've ever enjoyed a week of games where the results went as badly for me. So it wasn't uh, great on the wins front, but the actual uh, really enjoyed the actual games this weekend. And then obviously we're recording this on Tuesday. The Packers uh, were able to look a little bit better this week than they did the previous week. So that was a, a bonus as well. But uh, a really fun week of, of games. Um, obviously the Cardinals, the Vikings was a lot of fun and, uh, the result didn't go the way for for you with the Chiefs, but uh, the Chiefs Ravens another another very interesting game. Um, so I uh, really enjoyed week two overall. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I felt the exact same way. Where it was just a fantastic week. The football has been great. It's, I mean, it's awesome to see elite players do elite things. And you know, the the huge game from Henry doesn't work out for us on a number of levels. Uh, our OT main event, you know, hit him. And then, you know, we have the Aaron Jones game last night. Aaron Jones, I mean, he looks like he could be this year's Alvin Kamara. So the drafters who selected him uh, have to be on cloud nine today. Come on, I can tell that your spirits have been lifted by that Green Bay Packers victory. Uh, you're very professional, but I know that you were a little bit down last week. I'm feeling a little bit that way with the Chiefs both blowing the big lead and then the fumble late. From Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Edwards-Alaire not looking really remotely like we had hoped, which 
Again, this is sort of a, just a continuation of a trend from the very beginning of his career. Uh, you watch the games and just every week you think to yourself, they could have had Jonathan Taylor, they could have had DeAndre Swift. And so that part of it is difficult, but you know, what a great week. And it was an exciting first week of advanced stats from Sports Info Solutions that we have on the site and to read the articles from the group. I mean, I don't necessarily want to go through and mention everybody because I'll miss some of the pieces. There are just too many good pieces to promote them all. But Sam's there every Monday morning with your waivers. Blair has the Articles that only Blair can do. Multiple pieces, three pieces from Blair last week. And you're going to get a variety of things from him throughout the week. Corbin and Bjorn coming through with some really cool work on advanced running back stats, advanced receiver stats from uh, all of this cool data that we have. Now Connor does the buy low report some fantastic stuff from the buy low machine uh, frequent listeners or longtime listeners will know that it was the buy low machine that put us onto that massive run from David Montgomery to finish last season. We got Michael Dubner and Hitchcock on the DFS with Curtis uh, coming in with sort of a two minute drill at the end. I love that. And Curtis has his dynasty command center content up on the site. So uh, longtime readers and listeners of his have to be very excited. He also does the newsletter and uh, call the biggest breakout star of the first two weeks has been Cooper cup. I think cup is Curtis's most rostered player. And if you're not reading the newsletter, if you're not signed up for the newsletter, you'll miss some of the cool content from him there. Make sure you're signed up for that. And then we have Zach with the red zone report. We have Travis with, you know, the best college football and Debbie football research in the industry, including some fantastic DFS work. I mean, DFS is always a challenge. It's a lot of fun. We've got great tools that will help you beat it. Uh, Blair had a really cool piece last week, kind of thinking through how you can use the Rotovis tools to get an advantage that non-readers simply won't have. But one of the ways that I like to play it is through the college football DFS that's a little bit softer, and Travis can give you a great advantage in that area. So uh, the first week with the guys, with the in-season content, I just couldn't be more excited about that. Colin, we had this big game from your Green Bay Packers, and Aaron Jones just absolutely blows up. He has the four touchdowns overall. He gets six targets. He turns those into three touchdowns. A couple of things kind of looking at here. Uh, this combination of the, the three touchdowns in the big game from Henry, the four touchdowns from Aaron Jones, it reminded me of a very specific week in the past. Uh, that was the week 16 season of 2008. I was in the finals with my zero RB squad, and I think it was the highest scoring team going in. Uh, maybe that's just uh, remembering it the way that I want, but it was the finals and hit a team that got seven combined touchdowns from D'Angelo Williams and Brandon Jacobs. We know these games can happen. We're hoping they don't happen in the finals. Week two is a, a good week to get it. Based on ADP, there is a chance that some teams do have the Henry-Jones combo in that Jones did slide into round two, kind of down the stretch of drafts on occasion. I mean, that's unusual, but it could happen. Uh, a lot better to hit these teams in week two than in week 16 and now with the new schedule, week 17 uh, in 2021. Yeah, it would be, uh, it's, uh, that, and that's a tough, tough beat with uh, D'Angelo Williams and Brandon Jacobs. But um, I have to say, you touched on it with the Alvin Kamara kind of thought process in terms of Aaron Jones. And 
those you know short passing touchdowns that he picked up very reminiscent of something we would have seen with Breeze and Kamara in recent times. So Jones looked very very impressive. Um, I think there's no reason for them not to try and use him in that volume. I know we both like AJ Dillon a lot, but uh, Jones looked spectacular. I have to say, and that one finishing with forty one point five points overall and anyone that was looking for a, a monday night miracle obviously that helped uh, you mentioned the ot team going up against uh derrick henry unfortunately a couple of different leagues that i was in this week i went up against derrick henry and you know for all the stuff that we'll say about henry in terms of um you know his profile i have to say that when he is on he is on and the other thing to to look at is the use in the passing game that he's been getting uh, through those two weeks is is very interesting so if that stays going henry um could be on to something massive this year so that was an interesting game as well i touched on some of the ones i did like but um jones and um henry have to be really up there in that higher echelon of players this past week a couple of other teams that uh, didn't really work out we we have got to two and oh with one of our football guys uh, teams one and one and the other one with Anthony Amico we talked a lot and you talked a lot this offseason about uh, Ruggs Ruggs was on the bench of a, a number of those teams as well but he's somebody who has uh, you know not as much week one but really flashed in week two and something that's very interesting from week one to week two and the Packers are a good example and the Saints are a good example is the Saints whipped the Packers then the Saints get whipped and then the Packers obviously kind of do the reverse and we have the Miami Dolphins who beat the Patriots and then they get absolutely shellacked by the the Bills so things can change very quickly but um, Ruggs with the the big game in week two do we think that that's something that's going to progress the the main takeaway so far for me with the Raiders is how good Derek Carr has looked he's looked um, exceptional through those two weeks yeah, so I, I wrote at some length on the Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs situation, and you and I have him on all three of our teams. He's probably the most rostered player for me outside of KJ Hamler. So this was a big week, right? And to see him do that was was very encouraging. We saw him run 30 routes in week one, not do hardly anything with them, only three catchable passes one of which he dropped to see him come out in week two and look like this was very encouraging both for him and for Carr because Carr now has put up big numbers against both the Ravens and the Steelers, which would lead to believe that when he gets into the Chiefs and the Chargers, the Chargers and, and the Broncos both have pretty solid defenses, but we could have some real shootouts in the AFC West with the way these teams are looking right now. Uh, pretty bad losses for the Chiefs and the Chargers, not in terms of who they played. Obviously, the Ravens and the Cowboys look like they will be difficult teams, but when they had a chance to win those games and you fall to one and one with you know how good the Raiders and the Broncos will look. Now, I think the Raiders and the Broncos are still the third and fourth best teams in that division, but John Gruden has these Raiders going. And with Derek Carr making the passes that he's been making, I noted that they're throwing a lot fewer of these very difficult boundary passes where you have the sideline as another defender. And now they're just relentlessly attacking at all depths across the middle. His average yards per attempt, his adjusted yards per attempt from 2014 to 2017, the first years that he was in the league, you know, like 6.9 over that intermediate and short middle. 
Under Gruden, that number has jumped over nine, and we're seeing a slightly higher concentration of passes over the middle. All the things things are very helpful to quarterbacks. So that area over the middle is very efficient. We're seeing Gruden use the strengths that Carr has, which I think because he got such poor coaching and has had such weak weapons through the years, uh, it gets kind of lost in the shuffle that Carr actually is a very talented quarterback. And we're now seeing that come to fruition with Darren Waller, who uh, is just simply one of the most elite weapons in the NFL. But even in a game like this, and a lot of people are be like, well, I would take a five and 65 line from my tight end. The tight ends are not giving up a lot of points, but the Steelers more or less took Waller out of this game and Carr still goes for three five and two. So that's a big performance from him. One of the moves that we had to make sort of across teams, Colin, you and I have three teams together. I have 11 main event teams overall with a couple other uh, FBG teams. And a lot of the structure that we did fits around either Joe Burrow and one of the, the rookies or a Matt Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick build around the rookies. Well, Matt Ryan, with the way the Falcons looked in week one, that obviously wasn't something we could go back to in week two. Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt early, so you know we don't get a sense. It turns out my bull prediction on Ryan Fitzpatrick, that should have been Derek Carr, right? It looks like Derek Carr will be the guy who is the top 10 QB. He's someone that we target a lot in Superflex Dynasty startups because it looks like Carr has a big window yet of being sort of a low-end QB2. Well... Maybe it's not going to be a low-end QB2, right? And this offense looks really, really good. So I think all that element of it was exciting. And Blair writes in his column about this element where, yeah, Ruggs has the long touchdown, and that's going to be an important part of his profile. But he also got a bunch of underneath targets. And that's something when we talk about DJ Moore, when we talk about Chris Godwin, the mix of targets is very, very important. You want your guys to have the air yards that they can have the big and that big play to Ruggs is crucial in terms of how his weekend turns out. And the fact that uh, Devontae Smith, um, Jalen Rager, those guys barely missed on some big plays for the Eagles that would have people looking at them in a very different light after week two if they had made those plays. In Rager's situation, it was actually a touchdown call back because he managed to barely step out of bounds, actually with both feet. So, you know, less barely and more, you know, clearly out. But those plays are so close, but you also need to have these underneath targets to round out the profile to give you a little bit of a floor. I think Ruggs is very, very encouraging from that perspective. NFL football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find NFL tickets anymore. Because TechPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. One of my bucket list items is certainly to head on over and see my Green Bay Packers over in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. I'm super excited to see how this season plays out for the Packers. Whether it's the Packers or any other team that you want to head and get in on the action this season and attend a game. Whether it's a home game for your favorite team or it's on the road, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash RotoViz today and use the promo code RotoViz to save 10% on your first order. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season, don't wait. 
Head on over, get those tickets, use the code RotoViz, that is techpick.com slash RotoViz. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, Colin, week two for me was a big bench points week. And, you know, that's always disappointing, especially if you lose some of those games. But we're looking at guys like a Devin Singletary who demonstrated what we've always been talking about with his elite peripherals. Well, he gets that long touchdown run. Very exciting for him. If you have him as one of your zero RB guys, you're encouraged that you may be able to use him. Now, a couple of touchdowns in there for Zach Moss. But again, I think that's an encouraging element of it. We've talked about how, what the Bills did last season and how few running back points they created in an offense that's so dynamic, that's hard to sustain. It already looks like the Bills running backs are going to score more points for this season. But I was kind of looking at kind of the four main things I would have wanted from week two. And those four things would be for Hawkinson to continue to look like Kittle in his breakout. And my goodness, I mean, he he looked unreal last night. I mean, he's he's fast. He runs out of the catch after the catch he can contort his body to make these spectacular touchdown receptions like the one that he had last night I mean Hawkinson looks like the real deal that combination of volume and playmaking appears to be there number two would have been for Rondell Moore to emerge we haven't talked about him yet but I mean he was maybe the story of week two even with what these running backs did and then third would be Ruggs emerging fourth would be Hamler to benefit from the Judy absence three out of four isn't bad right? We talked a lot about the Denver Broncos passing attack on Stealing Bananas. I believe we talked about it before my audio got a little iffy. I apologize to listeners for that. Thank you for uh, either just stopping at that point or, or soldiering through. That won't be an issue very often, but I do apologize. Uh, Colin, what would be your big takeaways? I, I think that tight end now for me is kind of defining where these teams are going. It's easy to look at the running backs. I'm not that concerned about what's going on on other teams. My concern is how many points my teams are scoring and how the teams are changing in a way that allows them to be a high scoring team overall. We know that there are going to be weeks where running backs score some points. The idea that you should go zero running back is not saying, okay, running backs will never score or the stars will never score. I mean, they're going to score even guys with profiles that don't, match up with their draft position i mean they're going to have weeks when they score i mean derrick henry is not drafted in the first round because he doesn't have weeks like this right (laughs) my concern would be my teams and our picks kind of looking at that i think tight end is going to determine where these teams go of the 11 main events that i have 
Eight of them have either Hawkinson, Fant, or Gronkowski. One has Andrews. So it's really the two that have Gasicki and then weaker options that I'm pretty worried about. Are, are you feeling a similar thing with tight ends? Is that something that will define the season for your teams? We um, talked last week about Gasicki. We did our over-under, and he did finish just under the prediction uh, for, for last week, so I think we were right there. But uh, I, I have a lot of concerns there, and then with the possibility if Tua is out, that's going to, um, you know, I guess it potentially could be positive based on how week one went, but uh, I, I'm concerned about how Kasicki's season has started. Uh, Andrews, um, I think, will still be okay. I've been absolutely astonished by how Gronkowski has looked through two weeks. I don't know what he was able to do over the last kind of eight to 12 months, but he looks as good as he pretty much ever looked. Um, so he looks like he's going to be a, a superb value for people who were drafting him. Uh, where he was going in terms of ADP. Hawkinson has looked fantastic. The touchdown he got against the Packers, really, really nice catch there. And I think he's in a, a real prime. So I think the breakout for him is going to happen. And we obviously hope that the breakout too with Fant will happen. And you mentioned Hawkinson and Fant being involved in a lot of your lineups. Hawkinson and Fant are very, very heavily involved in mine. And Fant uh, is the most involved in terms of who is on the most roster. So, um, I'm hoping for big things. I was really happy to see him get into the end zone this past week. So I do think you're right in terms of where the split will go. I think particularly in the tight end premium leagues, if you have those weeks where the likes of Hawkinson can get those targets and receptions, but also get the yards that he's getting, we see that with Waller, but we're going to have some up and down weeks. So we've seen week two, Kelsey had a, a big week. We've seen week one, obviously um, Waller have the massive week. But I do think we're going to get into a situation where the, particularly in tight end premium, where the haves and have nots are going to get get separated. My concern, I'd say, the tight end, I guess, would be <laughs> would be the volume of uh, rosters that I, I'm relying on uh, Ronald Jones and uh, James Connor. But there is other options there to start to move in. So it's going to be interesting to see how the season progresses. But the rosters overall are looking looking quite strong. A few areas just where things haven't clicked for for one reason or the other but i mentioned overall on the weekend how things fell i i don't think i've had as many you know two point or three point losses um in a week in a long time so another player to here or a player selection here or there and you're having a brilliant week but unfortunately this week it went in the reverse i did mention to sean before the show uh scott fishbowl this week i had a, a 0 0.06 point loss so that one uh, if anyone has had a, a tighter loss over the first two weeks of the season let me know on on twitter at overtime ireland but um that one was a, a pretty close fought contest but sean i think overall it's gonna be fun to see how these tight ends continue to play out hopefully we continue to see those young guys stepping forward one of the games that i, I lost this week I, I did have a max williams in the dynasty league on the bench who had a, a big game for the cardinals um so it'll still be a while yet i think before we can confidently slot him in there but that was very encouraging but on the the cardinals this week rondell moore obviously had a, a breakout game looked electric it looked exactly like we thought he was going to look but the the play particularly to set up the the field goal before the half um just looked like he was moving at a different speed than the other players on the pitch um i guess we have talked a lot about rondell moore but obviously we've talked a lot about certain other players too and it hasn't clicked just yet but extremely encouraging signs by 
Rondell Moore, whose usage I think will continue to go up. Um, his snap share is still um, in or below 50%, and I think we'll see more and more usage from him over the coming weeks. You have to have been extremely uh, impressed with how Moore looked this week. I was, and we, we joke all the time and, and, and joke accurately in that we have Hamler <laughs> on all of the teams, but if we ex- extend that to dynasty rosters, Rondell Moore is probably the highest rostered player uh, that we have. If you go back, you know, we do like to put the plugs in from time to time. If you go back and kind of look at the Rotoviz rookie guide, uh, he's sort of the, the one player among all of them that we are most in love with. And if you subscribe to or purchase the rookie guide, then you probably also have Rondell Moore on all of your teams because Blair and I had him ranked as the number six player, I believe, which when you're talking about someone who generally goes in round two, uh, that's putting him quite a bit above where he's being drafted. So you would end up with exposure to him on almost all of your rosters. More one of these guys, we talk about Matt Spencer from time to time who does fantastic work in his updated breakout age, uh, more with the third best this century. We talk about somebody who has, you know, four two speed, 40 plus inch vertical. You know, you've got a guy out there on the NFL field who is operating simply at a different speed than the rest of the players. And so there are a lot of things you can do with that kind of guy. Now, the 77 yard touchdown occurs sort of in a scramble situation where you have a broken play. And that's not going to happen every week, obviously. And yet at the same time, one of the things you do benefit from when you have an offense like this where the quarterback can extend the play and you have a player with that much speed is you're going to get some of these things that happen from time to time. So we think about some of the things that happen for the Seahawks, some of the efficient passing plays that they have, the deep passing plays as the play breaks down, sort of this you know backyard or schoolyard type of play. When you have Kyler Murray and Rondell Moore together, you're going to be getting some of those types of things. So that's pretty exciting. The other thing that Blair mentions in his articles, his depth of target on Sunday was just 3.6, which when you consider that he had the deep target there, you're probably thinking, well, you know, that means the rest of the targets were very close to the line of scrimmage, which again is true, but yet also not necessarily a bad thing. And it allows him to do things like lead the team in targets, even though he's not out on the field for a ton of snaps. It allows them to do things like the little gadget play where he almost scores a touchdown. I mean, this game was a big game, and yet he could have had another score as well. And so I would expect his role to continue to increase. I think he's going to be someone you can play weekly. And it's been encouraging to see kind of how this Cardinals offense works. Now, it's been great for Moore. It's great for all of the Murray shares. It's probably not as good for James Conner. Right. We talked about Connor being one of the disappointments in the zero RB group. There have been some great guys coming out of this, you know, like a, a James White who led the New England Patriots in targets this past week and continues to be somebody who can function even in game scripts where the Patriots are leading. I think he's going to be a huge part of what they do this season. James Conner, we talked about the elite peripherals last season. We talked about the elite peripherals in week one. You can see that when you go and pull up the information from the advanced stat explorer. Week two was a big concern because number one, Chase Edmonds looks fantastic, right? Every once in a while you're out there and you're like, oh, Rondell Moore is, is doing this. You're like, oh, wait, no, that's Edmonds. I mean, those guys are both so fast. And then number two, Connor's speed is is... I mean, it's a red flag, right? I mean, he looks like he is running in mud out there. And so some of the broken tackles that he's creating, if you don't create yards after the contact, 
then it doesn't really matter if you are breaking some of these tackles. So, you know, we see him looking slow. We see a Cardinals offense that's not going to be run the same way where they really hurt their team last season by giving so many high-value touches to Kenyon Drake. We weren't necessarily anticipating all of those same touches because, you know, obviously these teams are going to move back toward the middle to an extent in terms of how their offense runs Colin, this may actually go to almost to the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of how they're able to play this with uh, the additions of some of the guys. Now, A.J. Green still looks terrible, but he does score a touchdown in this game. You know, maybe there's an element where he's spreading the defense a little bit. Christian Kirk has bounced back. He didn't have a big fantasy game that made an important play in this one. You add Rondell Moore in. They're able to do a lot more, I think, of how this offense is designed to be run. And now the Kyler Murray is back and isn't dealing with that shoulder injury. There just are a lot fewer of these sort of garbage touches that were given last year to Kenyon Drake. I say garbage in terms of it not being the right way to play the game. And uh, we were hoping that some of those would go to Connor. It's looking less like that. So I do think that he's someone that we're going to have to pivot away from. Luckily, there are a lot of good options. Kind of bringing it back to A.J. Dillon for a moment. One of the reasons why we are not necessarily on jones and did like dylan is that jones has been very stable in this ep profile where he's more of a round two pick than a round one pick and dylan had a lot of potential it looked like to siphon more of the expected points than williams did now in week two that was definitely not the case he did get five rush attempts he did get a target i thought it was interesting that his target was downfield and he made a very nice sideline catch so some of the things that we talked about in terms of what Dylan can probably do, those things are in evidence, but the split right now doesn't quite work. Do you think this is an element where the Packers very clearly thought, and if that's what they thought they were right, that the Lions would be very exploitable to a back like Aaron Jones in a week where they have to come back and win? You know, they got to go to one-on-one. They're trying to redeem themselves after being embarrassed. They give up that quick touchdown to start the game, which couldn't have been how they wanted to start it after being embarrassed in the Saints last week. Is it a thing where this was a matchup, or is it a situation where Jones is going to be so good that he really does take almost all of the touches? I think part of what happened um, watching the game was the the Lions for basically three quarters didn't want the Packers to have many shots downfield or to really open things up in the passing game. So they played with two high safeties most of the game. So the option was in a lot of those scenarios was quick passes or um you know running the ball so i think that played into it for jones being on the field in those those particular situations and then they had the turnover which led to one of his touchdowns so i think things played out very very well for jones i think in other scenarios like this we're probably not going to have three passing touchdowns for him with two of those being from you know four yards out combined kind of thing so I know there's a possibility in future he would rush one of those in, but I also think we'll see play action or we'll think, see Rodgers go for the end zone. Devontae Adams wasn't targeted very much on any of those, and that's somewhere where they would have went a lot last year. So I think it might have just been all things playing perfectly here for Jones. We're probably looking at the high point of a season in terms of singles game scoring, but we have seen from the explosive nature of his runs as well. Um, we will see lots of, of big games from him, but I, I wouldn't see this as a, really a negative for Dylan um, or anything like that. I think we'll still see him have those games throughout the season, but you mentioned them going behind early. I think they obviously wanted to to get things turned around and um, 
I, I think it was just the way the game played out as much as like a specific plan before the game to get these touches for Jones. Um, I don't think they would have, you know, designed though to have two passing touchdowns in the way they did from so close in. Uh, was very impressed though the way they used him on one of the screens out wide, uh, you know, from from a wide receiver position. Um, so they're they're trying to get him involved in a multitude of ways, and the touchdown that he got on the the tip pass um also had AJ Dillon on the field on that so on another day we may see Dillon get a, a carry from the you know four yard line and take it in for a touchdown there so um I, I'm I'm encouraged for both Packers running backs moving forward Sean I want to touch on a couple of things just where you mentioned that their game it was Monday Night Football I don't know if you've watched either of the Monday Night Football games yet with Eli and Peyton Manning uh, on ESPN I, I watched the Packers game that way uh I have to say usually we do our recommendations I thought it was a lot of fun just to it's like a almost like a watch along. Have you got a chance to catch either of those yet? I haven't, but I'll, I'll have to check that out if, if you're recommending it. Those guys uh, have a good vibe about them, and so uh, if, if you're enjoying that, I will have to look at it. One of the things that I tend to do with the games is watch them very fast. Right? It's there's a lot of fast forwarding even on the Monday night game. As I do watch every play from every game uh, every week, and so. There's, there's the double fast forward. I get a little bit of a preview, some foreshadowing on every play as to what may have happened before the DVR bounces back and you have the play from the beginning. So that, that makes it a little bit more difficult to take in all of the commentary. But yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, no, um, they also have, um, they have on different guests. They tweeted Russell Wilson on last week. They had a couple of guys on yesterday, including Pat McAfee. But uh, yeah, I, I use uh, Game Pass to watch any games back like that. And luckily enough, it's a 10 second skip forward. So it's easy enough now. I have a kind of time to perfection at this stage to, to get those plays. But it is frustrating sometimes when you click forward and then there's a player in the end zone and you have to click back and you're like, oh. But uh, the other question, Sean, that isn't really game related that I wanted to touch on, I meant to touch on it last week, is the jersey number changes obviously this year have come into effect. Have you had any players that you're kind of you like DJ Moore, for example, now is wearing number two. Uh, you know, there was a couple of times in week one, week two, when he caught it, and I was like, who caught that? And then I was like, oh, that's DJ Moore. Um, have you had any situations where you've been kind of like the numbers have caught you off guard from who you thought might have had it, or you you know didn't didn't think it was a player that you were you were looking out for? I don't necessarily think so, but it has been fun to adjust to the new numbers. Uh, you mentioned DJ Moore. Everything appears to be coming together for him. 20 points in the first half of that game. I think that he was up for a huge game if the Panthers aren't sort of way ahead. Now, they didn't need to continue to score in the second half, so that may be uh, wishful thinking in my part, but it was great to see him be so involved. We got another touchdown from Chris Godwin, and so Moore and Godwin, those are the two guys we talked about having the digs not really breakout. I mean, these guys have broken out in the past, but the digs leap profile, you know, getting to be that top five guy. We're not quite to the high end scoring levels yet. We'll see how it balances out as we go forward right now. There are a handful of players who have scored so many points at the wide receiver position that those guys are still not at the top, but I've got a lot of confidence in the profiles from them sort of going forward. Um, one of the things that has been interesting over the first Colin, we should probably wrap up by talking about a couple other zero RB options. Now, we've gone over A.J. Dillon. We've talked a little bit about the situation with James Conner. We've read about James White. 
How about Tony Pollard? This was maybe a situation where people were more confident that Dylan would be able to take some points from Jones than Pollard from Elliott. And yet Pollard in this game, 13 carries over 100 yards, involved from the very beginning, involved as a rusher, involved as a receiver. Ezekiel Elliott actually looked pretty good in this game, right? I mean, maybe the best game he's had in terms of being able to you know, generate some of those uh, prototypical Elliott runs for a long time, you know, going back to the beginning of last season. And even within this context of Elliott looking good, Tony Pollard looked better, right? I mean, he looked like one of the most explosive running backs in the NFL. He was a great fit for what they want to do offensively. If you drafted Pollard, and he was one of the guys on the zero arch list, if you drafted him in that 9, 10, 11 round range, you've got to be really excited at this point because it doesn't look like you're going to need an Elliott. Now, we have to be a little careful about some of these things. We saw in week one that the Eagles were able to create running back points for two players. In week two, they can't create running back points for anybody. And yet the Cowboys offense is going to be much more high powered. And so we're more confident in these types of offenses. That's one of the reasons why the Packers offense was interesting. The Cardinals offense was interesting. We're trying to target these offenses where some of the secondary players will have standalone value. Pollard looks like he'll be the guy. Yeah, I thought that both you touched and I thought both of these, like I thought Elliot looked pretty good compared to what um, he looked in week one. Um, but I thought Pollard looked extremely, extremely good in this in terms of both rushing and uh, receiving. Um, I think it's extremely, extremely positive for future developments. He is somebody... Um, who you mentioned last week is you know has that standalone value after one week but if you know if we had envisioned we kind of envisioned that Elliot wouldn't have the heights that he maybe people expected him with that first round draft pick but I think if we had expected that Pollard would have had this role after two weeks um he would have been a little bit higher in terms of where people were drafting him he, he really does look to be in a strong position and the Cowboys offense should continue to put up points but they're going to continue to have to put up points because i think this defense is going to going to struggle throughout the year so pollard is in a a great situation now moving forward and that's even you know a lot of people would have said oh the play is if zeke is out but zeke is in and he is still looking to be heavily involved he was involved as well in a lot of situations where you might have thought that Elliot should be in there some short yardage um you know early in the game even where he was in instead of Elliot so that was a change from what we would have seen last year specifically so I think um all things I, I think if you're a Pollard drafter I think you couldn't be more positive than how it's gone through two weeks um Sean before we do finish up the last thing I wanted to plug and mention was um obviously uh, stealing bananas the the weekly recaps which are going up very very early on monday mornings are usually up kind of in the 4 a.m 5 a.m eastern time after uh, i get to to get them produced and get them posted up but sean and ben recording those late sunday night after the games but one of the takeaways that came out on twitter was uh they were really impressed with your dunkin donuts takes that uh made the air this week during the the stadium bananas recap any any specific uh, go-to donuts sean that you're you're recommending for the listeners here on on the tuesday edition of ot well I, the dunkin donuts right is fantastic because they're barely donuts and so it, you go to a nice donut shop number one is going to be a little bit more expensive although we've got some donuts shops around here where you can get the apple fritters and the bear claws and these types 
of donuts where you eat one and you're really down for the count all day long and yet the price is still fantastic. But Dunkin' Donuts, you can eat you know, six, nine of them in a day. You can still kind of go about your business. It's not going to put you into a coma. And I love the chocolate-filled ones. I love the lemon-filled ones. You gotta have filled donuts, right? I mean, you're not going in for just the little cake things. Now, you know, maybe you get an apple cider cake donut that really is special and you know, it's a donut, you're gonna be excited. But you want fillings in these. And I like the frosted filled. I mean, the best thing about cake is frosting. The best thing about sandwich cookies is the frosting. I mean, frosting is probably one of the greatest uh, food experiences that you're ever gonna get outside of some lamb dishes, some salmon dishes, those types of things. I mean, food is food is the best. So we're trying to create a schedule throughout the day where we can eat a lot of donuts and eat a lot of other food. That's where kind of the Dunkin' Donuts comes into play. I thought you were going to say that frosting was one of the greatest inventions of all time, but you did pivot it then to food. So, <laughs> But uh, we'll have to, this can be a, a new regular segment on the show where, where Sean gives us uh, some uh, culinary information but um i have to say uh stealing bananas is that why it's uh stealing bananas more culinary getting tied in there with the fruit element but uh i have to say that the the week weekly recaps have been phenomenal and anyone who hasn't checked those out yet go over check them out as i mentioned last week there is a new podcast from sean either with myself or ben gretch every single day off the week outside of Sundays, so get signed up here uh, to the RVOT feed and also, of course, the Stealing Bananas feed. Get those episodes once they release, um, you won't regret it. Sean mentioned some of the articles at the start of the show from the different writers up on the website. The content has been fantastic, the tools are excellent. So, head on over, check those out. If you do want to get yourself a 10% discount, you can sign up using the code RV radio 2021 at checkout that'll save you 10 percent. or you can go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information myself and sean will be back on thursday with another edition of the show we'll also have our saturday edition and of course you can catch them on stadium bananas as well so until we're back next time my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to my co-host as always is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotoviz.com and until thursday have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.